2: Wednesday evening, September 28th, the Tip of the Tower Raptors podcast is back here to talk everything Raptors. Um, We got a lot to talk about today. Raptors media day took place on Monday, you got the team heading out west for training camp, Uh, Chris Bosh likely not going to play again, Kevin Garnett retiring, there's a whole bunch of basketball news to talk about which is great. Joining me as always is Damar Grant. Tamar, how you doing man? Great.
3: Media day is over into training camp. So, and the season's finally starting.
2: It's actually happening. That's probably the most like mellow great I've ever heard. Like if
3: somebody said they're great, you're like, just great.
2: Like you Fantastic. just, like, or just up. That's better. <laughs> there you go. Now I feel now I believe you. <laughs> but jumping right into the Raptors here. Media Day was on Monday. A um, whole bunch of takeaways. I mean, I wouldn't say there's an overwhelming amount of information, but you know, we we got some stuff to talk about here, uh, including Damari Carroll's health. Jared Sullinger likely starting at Power Ford. Haskell Siakam potentially having an increased role. DeLon Wright getting closer to shooting. There's some stuff here to talk about. Let's start with Damari Carroll. Uh, Obviously, he had arthroscopic knee surgery in the offseason. He's still rehabbing his way back. He actually didn't do much physical activity during the offseason. He just rested. Now he's progressed to playing five-on-five and is looking like he's slowly inching closer to a return. But at the same time, he admitted that he's not 100%. Are you at all concerned by this news? Yes,
3: dude. I'm... That's really? yeah, okay, no, actually making me super worried because like it's kept him out of like part of last season, the majority of last season, right, and he came back for the playoffs and now he's out again, and he's not even a hundred percent you know you give somebody a really long contract and they're he's going into his thirties like he's thirty now I think he'd be thirty three by the end of the contract, and we have this knee issue, and knee issues when you get old are not um they're not chronic, but they don't necessarily just go away as Dwayne Wade. So, well, they linger, right? They're gonna slow him down as he gets older, like you just said. He'll be thirty-three at the end of this contract, and his legs aren't getting any younger. Yeah, he's only getting paid like thirteen million, which was like a huge amount, you know, when they signed him. But now, with you know, the the salary, the salary cap jump, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But you know, if this knee this knee thing persists, it bec- it could become an albatross, man.
2: Man, that's bold. Well, how many games do you think he has to
3: play for it to be like? A I need sixty games. Sixty games, okay. 60 that's
2: what I was games. thinking
3: too. And that's. I think he could get sixty. I think that's not a problem. Sixty games, and then I need playoff games from him as well. So. Yeah, that's why I'm not panicking too much. Because I feel like
2: if they take it easy with him to start the season and kind of ease him back into things, as long as we get that back half in the playoffs, that's what's important in my opinion. That's true,
3: but I'm, you know we're a month from the season starting and. You know, we're getting updates saying he's not 100%. Yeah,
2: I find that part <laughs> concerning. A, a little bit. I wouldn't, I'm not overly concerned, but it's definitely you know raise an eyebrow. The other thing I thought about that was interesting with him too is uh, he said one of his goals was to have a healthy season. Mm-hmm. Before in the summer at his camp, he said obviously you know health is a main priority. But at the same time, he was saying shoot 40% from three. He was a little bit more narrow with his goals, whereas now it's just kind of like hey, if I get on the court and I, I play and contribute, that's great. So I was kind of like, oh, okay, that's a bit weird. Yeah,
3: that again, that makes me a little bit worried, man. You know, clear and concise goals is what your teachers teach you in elementary school, <laughs> and like yeah. the broader that the, they get, they're getting when he gets closer to the season. That's making me like think that he doesn't think he's going to get to a hundred percent, maybe like ninety or something like that towards that towards the season. I don't know. Just like this entire saga, ever since the beginning of basically last season, has made me uh. A little frightful
2: when I'm talking about Damari Carroll, man. There's reason for concern, like I, I must admit. I mean, again, I'm not overly concerned, but there's reason for concern. And, man, I hope you're wrong. Yo, I really hope you're wrong with that. If they have him for the next three years, then don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you think his liver disease plays a factor in his body actually maintaining a healthy – like, man, I just think he's not able to stay healthy because of his liver disease at times yeah, he's got
3: that, and plus the knee injury, and I don't, it's, let, let's get, like, it's not helping the knee injury, right, so, (laughs) oh,
2: that's an that is a discouraging sign, my friend, I mean, ah,
3: man, but he is, I'm, I'm like, very curious, don't, don't get me wrong, like, even, like, 80% or 90% of Demari Carroll is still a good player, especially on this team. You
2: know. Oh no doubt, no doubt. Especially with his ability to play like a swing position where he can play the three or a stretch four. Right. That's a valuable commodity on this Raptors team, especially come playoff time. When you look at how the E shapes out,
3: they're gonna need a guy like that. Exactly. And you don't necessarily be need to be super fast to play stretch four, which is probably one of the biggest reasons why the Raptors got him, so be And the different. Raptors
2: themselves, like the Raptors don't necessarily play at a, a blistering tempo either, so Yeah.
3: So yeah, we'll be good for now. You know, but you just you just prefer to have somebody at a hundred percent. That's the reason why we're we're worried.
2: Totally agree, and I feel like this is the storyline that's gonna linger for, man, at least until he proves he can play consecutive games healthy, and he just he just shows that he looks like the Demaryius the that they're accustomed to. If that doesn't happen, this is gonna be a growing storyline.
3: I, I mean, it lingers that feeling of like where he lingers until, you know, he falls down or like he bumps knees with somebody and you're not holding your breath being like oh no not the knee <laughs> it's like it used to happen with uh Steph Curry every time he would take a jump shot and somebody would like crowded him or something like that and then you just Golden State fans would get like super weird and <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but you know they've grown like they've kind of grown out of that because he hasn't gotten injured in two years so yeah hopefully that'll happen with Damari Carroll but just me the next time he bumps knees with somebody he's just gonna oh <gasps> I have no, I have
2: nothing to say to that because that's it's spot on. I mean, I just really hope we get a seat to see tomorrow Carroll for sixty games because if we don't, you know, fans are gonna be barking about that contract and say what you said earlier. It's an albatross. Was it worth signing him? Like, oh, there's just gonna be a lot of question marks that are going to come swirling out of nowhere. So I hope we avoid that. But yeah, something else that was interesting though was Dwayne Casey when they mentioned that uh, Jared Sullinger is likely gonna be the starting power forward. They didn't say he is the starting power forward. They said the job is his to lose. But at the same time, that pretty much means that Heat is the starting power forward.
3: Oh, um, well, uh, what do do the do the Raptors just not want to shoot threes? I
2: think <laughs> you underestimate
3: <laughs> Solinger's ability to shoot a bit, though.
2: He shoots twenty eight percent. I know, I know, I know, I know. But like when you look at the Heat maps, and everything a lot of those are elbow threes, which he doesn't shoot very well. Let's slide some of those into the corner now, where we saw Luis Scola taking them last year, mm-hmm. which is obviously it's an easier shot for any shooter to make. That's pretty well known. You think that not bump Jared Sullinger's three point percentage up to maybe thirty five, you know, mid thirties? That's like somewhere in the respectability. Seven
3: point difference in three point percentage.
2: It's that's huge. huge. I, know, I know it's big, but it is an easier shot, and I think his his frequency of taking that three is going to be less. Yeah, I mean,
3: yeah, that's definitely true. The frequency is probably going to be less. Uh, lesser. Uh, he's going to be in the corner. The corner range is definitely shorter, but you know he typically he's making his two point shots from like the elbow or tip of the key, and that uh the corner is still farther out than the top of the key. Like, the top of the key is like 20, 20 feet, I think the corner is like 21, 20, 21 and a half or something like that. So it's still deeper than anything he has inside of the arc. No,
2: I'm okay with that. I mean, he's got to make he's got to start making these shots, right? With JV underneath the net too, these looks are going to be a little bit more open. In Atlanta, or sorry, not Atlanta, in Boston you could argue that they never play with a true center, so this might give them some better spacing on the floor as well. Okay, I know you're like a you're an <laughs> avid Jared Sullinger detractor. <laughs> okay, between Demar Derozan and Jared Sullinger, those are your two guys that you're just going to knock all season, and you've all you've knocked since the off season, man. So I know you're not going <laughs> to slow down on that.
3: I don't like people. To, I, do. I don't like it. And pretty much the past, I would say years or maybe even six years you know a championship team had shooters at pretty much every position except for one right so the raptors have i would say you know three out of the five people on their on their squad don't shoot threes you know just like a cramped spacing man it's harder to do stuff when you can't shoot of course so that's but. the only reason like that's the reason why it's just like you know, if you watch any uh, team modern NBA squad, they don't play the same as the Raptors do. The Raptors play like a 90s style, of bas- 90s style of basketball.
2: Which is something we talked about off the air, but before we get into that, who's to say Patrick Patterson's minutes are just going to diminish? They still said he's going to play starter minutes, so that would mean 30 roughly, probably 30 to 35 a night we're going to see from Patrick Patterson. What's really going to change?
3: I mean, I guess, you know, they could do the Skola treatment where they have him play, like, they have Solinger play at the beginning and then they take him out early and they'll put in Patrick Patterson. And, like, it kind of makes sense to do that because most most squads right now, um they kind of start two big men and then they, like, slim down. So you can kind of steal minutes for, for Jared Solinger that way, but I just prefer to have three-point shooting all the time, you know. Beggars can't be choosers, though.
2: No, I agree. And I get what you're all getting at here with the whole DeRozan and soldier on the floor at the same time. And then you add in J V who's shooting threes. I get that. Mm-hmm. Because then you're relying on Carl Lowry, who as he's getting older, his shot will naturally regress because let's face it, nobody's beat Father Time, so that's gonna slow his, his shot a little bit down, just given the way he plays. Right.
3: And then what you can have guys coming filling off the bench. I mean you're looking at I mean, like they have shooters off the bench, but they're just not in the <laughs> they're just not in the starting lineup. You got Patrick Patterson, Norman Powell, and Terrence Ross off the bench.
2: <sighs> that, that doesn't really inspire confidence. I'm not <laughs> <lie> to <you>. lot <laughs> but I, I do get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Okay, so what should we expect from the power 4 position? Then is it just you know expect Sullinger to start and then Patterson to come in, literally like last year, except instead of Scola, it's now pa- it's now um, Sullinger or
3: yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm pretty sure that's what's gonna happen because I can't imagine them having. Squo- uh, Almost at school. Uh, Sullinger at the end of games, and then they're running like pick and rolls against him or JV, and just like nobody's able to cover it. And then if they're doing it with JV, Sullinger's gonna have to cover the paint, and he's not that good of a uh, protector at the rim. It's just... All right, hold on a second here.
2: What is your ideal picture of Jared Sullinger like? What does he have to do to have a successful season in Demar Grant's books? Because I feel like by the way you describe Jared Sullinger, this is like a thirteenth man, dude. Like, this is a guy who's stapled to the bench. Like, he's like the Red Mamba, or like the
3: Red Rocket. No, okay. <laughs> what does it... just You know, give me the breakdown. What does he do? I'm asking you.
2: I want you to tell me... Because I think Jared Sullinger is serviceable at the NBA. I think he's he can play this back to the basket a little bit. He's not a great shooter. He's not a terrible shooter. He's just below average. But I feel like that's something that can improve now that he's got better spacing playing with a true center. And he's he's a good rebounder. So I'll give him those, those things right there. There's obviously a lot to work on with this game,
3: but I feel like you think this guy is not good at basketball. How is he going to rebound when he's shooting threes? Like he's a prolific offensive rebounder, but he shoots threes now. Like he's going to be so shooting threes now.
2: We both agreed that the frequency is going to decrease in his threes,
3: more than likely. It's either one or the other is going to decrease. And this happened with Kevin Love or Chris Bosh. It's like, you know, if you're a power forward, you either shoot threes or you rebound. You can't really do both at the same time.
2: No I agree but he's not a he's not a stretch four like those guys are where or even like a stretch five sorry where you got love and Bosch who are much more better jump shooters than Jared soer man mm-hmm. like, we can both admit that so I think he's not going to be posted out there like the same way they were like you'll notice a lot of times where Bosch or love will kind of drift in offensive sets and they'll kind of slowly creep up through the three point line or the elbow or they'll just pick and pops we saw that way too much with Bosch and love and some people said that took away from one of their best assets, which was their back to the basket. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're not going to see that with Sullinger because he's he's just not as good of a shooter as those guys. So I think we're going to see him still hover around the net a lot more than people are thinking. no okay.
3: I'm going to do a deep dive on uh, Jaron Sullinger. Just so I want to know like the nitty gritty about his play style because on the surface, from what I've looked at, he's you know he's okay. I think he's like a bench big. I don't think he's a starting caliber player.
2: I agree with that. I feel like that's more. <laughs> More than spot on, because he's just starting because of the way the Raptors, their, their roster is constructed. And, you know, people may not like to hear this, and Patrick Patterson says it doesn't matter, but I think he, he just has that comfort of coming off the bench. So I think that's really why he's starting.
3: Yeah, you know, some shooters like to just put... I remember David Thorpe was speaking about this on the True Who podcast, where, like, when shooters are shooting effectively, they just want to stay in. You know, they don't want to be taken out of the game, so they lose their rhythm. So... Like in this example, you know Jared Solinger comes out early, so uh, Patrick Patterson can just play like the rest of the entire for- first quarter. So he'll play like eight minutes in a row, and then like another six minutes just like straight in a row. So he doesn't lose his rhythm when he's shooting. So that may be like a thing for uh, for Patrick Patterson. Nobody's really asked him that. Maybe I should ask. That him that. Maybe I should ask him that yeah. next, time, <laughs> next time I see him.
2: <laughs> but that would make sense yeah. though, especially when you put it in that context. Yes. One last thing with Sollinger, though, man, is when you deep dive into him, I think you're going to reach this kind of conclusion where I don't think Jared Sollinger knows what kind of player Jared Sollinger is either. I know it may sound a bit confusing, but I feel like throughout his time in Boston since he's left Ohio State, he's transformed roles multiple times in Boston where, you know, is he a three point shooter? Is he a re- guy who's going to crash the glass? Is he back to the basket? He's kind of drifted between all these different roles that I don't think he truly knows what he is either yet
3: it kind of, it almost depends on how much he weighs and he's been struggling with his weight. So, like, if you weigh a lot, it's, you know, easy to make space underneath the basket, get those rebounds and stuff. But if you're lightweight, you know, it's a lot easier to move around, get on the perimeter, and make those jump shots and stuff. So. Well,
2: for what it's worth, I mean, we haven't seen him at his uh, heaviest stage, I guess some people will call mm-hmm. it. At media day, he looked, he looked decent. He looked like he was in good shape. Apparently the weight's no longer an issue. I mean, you brought that up off the air too, that, Hey, he said the weight's not a problem anymore.
3: Yeah. Do you buy that? Every time he's, you know, uh, he always says the weight's not an issue until it becomes an issue. And then... (laughs) So I'm just, you know, it sounds like I'm really scrutinizing him, but, like, he's part of the team now. And that's what I do. I scrutinize, I have to scrutinize the team. So I'm just, you know, I'm just really, he's a new addition. Got a different game that I've seen from most players. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on him, but... Yeah, you're pretty critical of him. I'll admit that. (laughs) That's just my opinion on it. I have to be, you know? Kind of have to be, but we'll see. I'll keep an open mind.
2: Okay, another guy at Media Day that was brought up who's also, I guess technically he's at the power four position, but with what was said, it provides more questions than it does answers. Pascal Siakam. The Raptors took him with the 27th pick in his year's past draft. Um, Dwayne Casey told reporters that Siakam might come up and just blow everybody out of the water. And they're... Possibly expecting him to be a starter by as early as next season. What do you make about all that? I know he had a really <laughs> good summer ball, summer league. Like apparently he's been having a good camp. There's just there's a lot to like with his game, but man, that's optimistic. He's been blowing, or off. maybe we're
3: He's been yeah. off the doors for everybody, man. Like everybody loves him. So is is it worth that? Worth ethic? Worth work? Ethic <laughs> must be insane, or uh, I don't know. Maybe they're seeing something we just don't see. He might even snag that uh that backup center spot, man. Who knows right, it's, it's, that was it's up up the next question. Yeah, because, Bebe, Jakopodl,
2: or Purtol, sorry, these guys, it's a great opportunity for him. But it just sounds like Cieko might just work him out at the gym.
3: Yeah, and they love the they love those hardworking players. I mean, we love them too. The fans love the hardworking players, right? So, they're like this guy's basically a Bismack two and I don't think
2: it's Bismack <laughs>
3: 2.0. I, I actually don't. That's what it seems like. like to me when I see him. Like I've seen like tape of him and stuff, and it kind of seems like Bismack 2.0 to me.
2: I could buy that, like the whole like when you watch it on tape. Mm-hmm. But I think he, he reminds me of somebody else when I watch him on tape a little bit more, and it's a it's a person Raptors fans have been putting in God. They've probably broken the ESPN trade machine with the amount of times they put this player in there for the Raptors. It's Kenneth Farid. Like you watch the manimal play and. He can't really shoot really well, but he's an aggressive rebounder. He hustles. He's tenacious on defense. Not the greatest defender, but he's tenacious. I feel like Siakam is kind of like that. Okay. Can't can't really shoot too well from what I've seen at least on film. Um, rebounds the hell out of the ball. Mm-hmm. Defensively, he's not bad. He keeps his man in front of him he's square. I don't know. I, I'm really excited to see more of him actually. Me, but I feel like he just reminds me of free
3: Me too. He's on the squad like for sure, right? Because he was a what a, oh god yeah first round pick right at the end of the first round. Yep. So yeah, I'm excited to see him play, since there's a lot of uh, a, lot of uh, institutional um, confidence inside of them. Maybe we'll even get to see him play like legit time, early in the season, especially. I'm in. <laughs> a, what does this mean for Jakob Portal? I have no idea, man. They don't talk about him at all.
2: That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's kind of weird. They
3: never speak about him, and uh, for somebody, you know, you know, think of it this way. He was Jakob Portal was like the ninth pick, and Siakum is was the twelfth. I think the twenty seventh pick. And they're raving yes. they're raving more about their 20, 27th pick than the ninth pick, so that's it's a little bit damning. A little damning. And they should have picked Sco. <laughs>
2: <laughs> How did I know that so job was coming?
3: <laughs> Jesus. They should have picked Scout. Okay, whatever. But yeah, just so, for Pertle, I mean that's a little bit, you know it's um a little bit of a worry, worry, worrying uh, symptom of his place st- Not his playstyle, of his... Um, just him in general. Okay,
2: let me ask you this then. Can Purtle, Siakam, and Bebe all make this roster? Or does one of them have to go to 905?
3: That's a lot of centers. That would be four centers on the roster. and
2: Or three power forwards,
3: three centers, right. depending on how you look at it. I mean, you really have... That's a lot of big men. Yeah, you got Patrick Patterson, Jared Sollinger, C.A. C. And then you got Pertle, and then you have uh, Valanchunas. That's, Bae-Bae. And Baby and Valanchunas, so that's six big men on the roster.
2: And then if you go Carroll, mm-hmm. DeRozan, right. Powell, right. Lowry, uh, Corey Joseph, mm-hmm.
3: DeLon Wright. Mean,
2: DeLon Wright, but DeLon Wright's not coming until January, Yeah. more likely. We're going to get into him in a second. So let's say Van Fleet.
3: Hmm.
2: I feel like we're missing a couple. My man, here. man, Fleet.
3: Yo, he's making it.
2: <laughs> I think just based off the Lon Wright's injury update, there's a good shot he's gonna make yeah, it.
3: He's definitely making it. Nice.
2: So you know, that's 12 guys there. Um, do we put Bruno? I guess. I guess like 13. <laughs> yeah. Like they'll probably carry the full 15, but
3: I mean, a lot. Of, it's a lot of big men, man.
2: That's yeah. a lot of big men.
3: We'll see. They're probably how, gonna. How much they play? There's probably gonna be a playoff. For that center spot, that backup center, I don't know about I don't actually. know about Pirtle because they don't really speak about him. But Naguera and Siakam are definitely gonna do some sort of playoff. There's gonna pro- probably probably somebody's gonna get influenced in uh, training camp or in those first like five or ten games. Uh, both of them are gonna play, and then the coaching staff is probably gonna figure out which one that they like more. I
2: man, to hear Siakam's gonna blow the doors off. That just makes me want to see him play right now. Yeah, me too. In a preseason game, because that's big.
3: Yeah, you makes... don't just
2: throw that kind of uh, analogy around.
3: Yeah, so probably even in uh, training, or not training camp, preseason, they'll figure out who's going to be back center. So those games, especially against the Warriors, can get a little heated, man. Just a little bit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can't wait for that. Moving on, though, into DeLon Wright News, somebody you just brought up. It's kind of good. It's kind of bad. Um, The good news is that he expects to get his full range of motion back, Uh which should happen as early as possibly next week, Um, which in turn means he'll probably start shooting soon. The bad news, though, it sounds like the initial prognosis they gave of him returning in at least four months, it sounds like it's going to be a little more than four months. It doesn't sound like he's going to be back by December, which would have been a four-month timeline. It sounds more like January, worst-case scenario, February. So... You know, I guess that's kind of bad in a sense where there was a lot expected of DeLon Wright this year. He was supposed to come in, and fans were excited that, you know, he could spell some minutes from uh, not only Kyle Lowry but also Corey Joseph Mm -hmm. because the Raptors relied heavily on those two last year, and now it's looking like that might not happen until probably February when he's 100%. He could be back in January, but he's not going to get just entrenched in full-out minutes right away, you know? I think he's just going to slowly work his way back in, and we're looking at a February return. Damn.
3: (laughs) <laughs> like, even when, it was, right? even when it was December that we thought he was coming back, it was still pretty bad, but now it's, like, January, February. Wow. Weird. So remember when we made that, like, the small assumption was like, is this just, like, a lost year for him? Like, this actually might just be a lost year for him, though.
2: It actually might be. It actually might just be a lost year now. Counterside of this, though, does this not bode well for not only, you know, your beloved Fred
3: Van Fleet, who I also love as well, mm-hmm.
2: but does it not also bode well for Brady Heslit?
3: Yeah, that's true. You know, there's more space. There's definitely going to be a lot more space on the roster, so you know, it's it's possible for Brady. I know you like Brady. I know you want him there.
2: You know what? I want I want EJ Singler there. I feel like EJ Singler's a really versatile player. But I like Brady. Mm-hmm. He's a really nice guy anytime we talk to him. Um he can shoot the lights out. I, he's just a bit undersized. Okay. For uh, which I think he's heard his entire life. when He's played at this at this level, but if you give that guy a couple inches, man, that three's going in. <laughs> so, and the Raptors need perimeter shooting. Like, they need that in the worst way. Yeah,
3: they need big man perimeter shooting, mostly. Yeah, I know. That ain't happening, though.
2: Utah off. <laughs> That's an interesting name, too. I mean, this battle for the 15th roster spot is actually going to be compelling.
3: Yeah. Training camp, man. It's where dreams are made or shattered. Where dreams are made or shattered, <laughs> holy crow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, this was you know, this absence I guess would mean a lot more for Corey Joseph. Probably get like an extra one or two minutes, but you know, for the people, which is it's okay. Like, but it means a lot more for the fifteenth men making this making the squad to be on the Raptors.
2: Yeah, of course. But that was something they wanted to avoid this year, though. They said they wanted to manage the minutes a bit better, not only Lowry but also Corey Joseph.
3: Yeah, dude. So maybe we'll get some uh, ball handling from uh, Norman Powell. Norman that Powell. Would be
2: interesting. That would be interesting.
3: I mean, they keep. They, so, before the Summer League, they kept uh, talking about him being more of a ball handler and him finding people like the past two. So, there, there's a little bit of primer for him to be a ball handler, man.
2: So, man, going off everything we've said throughout this podcast so far, does it not kind of sound like the Raptors might play a bit of a bigger lineup this year? Slower pace. I mean, it can't get much slower than what they're playing already. But, slow pace,
3: big style lineup. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, it's going to... It's 90s relic basketball. 90s relic, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Mid-range, mid-range and duo big no, man. No, stop that. Stop that. We're, cra- we're, we're crashing the boards. Offensive, defensive boards are crashing it. What is a three-point shot? I don't understand what that means. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's like, you know what they say, though. <laughs> the team, the roster takes over the personality of its coach.
2: Dwayne Casey is a hard-working defense first. We'll get our points, not necessarily later, but we'll get our points however we get them type coach. We're the Grizzlies. So, holy hell, we are the Grizzlies. We're the Grizzlies. With no zebo.
3: <laughs> yeah, with no zebo, but we got our version of Mike Conley. And Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is actually much better than Mike Conley.
2: I was just gonna ask you that next Kyle Lowry or Mike Conley I think,
3: like who would you take I think Kyle Lowry is better than Mike Conley just because um, I don't I think
2: he's more of a dynamic scorer
3: yeah that and uh he has like the Kyle Lowry play where like the ball will just like happen to bounce into his hands or like he somehow gets his offensive rebound or he'll like dive for the ball and bat it to somebody Mike Conley doesn't really get many of those
2: Mike Conley's just kind of like a legitimate floor general where he's just always in control he's just calm cool collective um doesn't take many bad shots. Doesn't make many bad passes. He's just, he's just kind of a safe player. Yeah,
3: you know it's good. It's he was great for any team that like has dynamic like shooting guards or small forwards or something something that's like dynamic that just needs the ball. He's great for that team because he'll just be like, all right, you got it, and then he just plays defense. You know, he'll be open for three. He'll shoot the three. Maybe he'll get some drives yeah. to the rim, but he's really like a defer. Like he'll deflect passes. to Like, he'll pass the ball to a lot of people. Like, he just... He's selfless. He doesn't really care. I'm trying
2: to think of where he'd be a good fit aside from Memphis. That's what I'm trying to think of right now in my head.
3: If he was on the Cavs, that'd be great for him.
2: Yeah, I was thinking that too. What about... um? I hate saying Boston because I feel like Isaiah Thomas is not bad there. Like, he's, he's a great scorer. He can do a lot of things with the ball, but he's not like a true bona fide point guard. Whereas, like, Mike Conley is a very... Mm-hmm. You know, like we just said, you're your prototypical point guard. And Boston's like the trendy place. He was on everywhere. the Jazz.
3: You'd be pretty good.
2: Yeah. Well, they have George Hill now. If he was
3: on the Timberwolves. That would actually make like the Timberwolves like a serious playoff team for me.
2: Yeah, that actually was a serious. Uh, that, that'd, that'd be a really good fit. Because Rubio's Rubio's oh, in my Get opinion.
3: him out of here, yo. That's that's one player that I can't even believe that is still in the league. Like his past,
2: <laughs> no defense. No, he
3: actually plays. He's actually a pretty good defender, and he usually leads the league in steals. But like, he's just a good positional defender. He's he doesn't have the athleticism that you would want from you know the lead defend defender, but he's good. I'll put him as like an average defender. man. I think he's good. Yo, you underrate the small point guards, man. The small point guards. I don't underrate the small
2: point guards. I mean, I think steals. Look, it shows up. It looks nice in the
3: box score and all Imagine that. Still, I was just. I maybe I should now. I'm gonna just stop mentioning steals when I talk about good defenders.
2: I don't, I mean, no, don't I don't mind. It's just the thing with Rubio is a lot
3: of times he gets beat, man, and like flat out beat.
2: And he's not durable. He's a good position.
3: Oh yeah, he's not durable, but he's a good positional defender. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. So
2: okay. So you're saying he's kind of like, kind of like a actually I shouldn't even say like a Steve
3: Nash. No, because Steve Nash was terrible on defense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Steve Nash was not a good defender. But yeah, Kyle Lowry at least uh, great on defense. You know. I'm jo- I'm enjoying the Kyle Lowry uh, saga, and I'm hoping it doesn't end with this contract negotiation that's coming up.
2: Yeah, and he actually talked about that immediately too, where he said, "What I think everybody expected, I'm not answering any questions or discussing my upcoming contract."
3: Hmm. So, <laughs> shrewd, shrewd answer. <laughs>
2: not, not, nothing's changed there, you know. I mean, Demar Derozan was poking fun at him, saying that uh, he can't wait to send jokes his way about, "Hey, did you see the latest rumor and the latest speculation about what's going on with you in your contract?" Because obviously Demar endured that all last season, and now it's Kyle's turn to endure that. So right. that'll be interesting. Um,
3: what It'll do you be make like, of him being the oldest player too, though, on the Raptors? It's not that big of a deal. It, it kind of showed me that they don't really have many veterans on the on the Raptors. Right? You ever think about that? Because like the 76ers, even they have uh, Elton Brand on their team. So, <laughs> come
2: trade deadline this year, it's going to be the Raptors need
3: a veteran for the playoffs.
2: Oh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: You can already see it, right? It writes itself. Like Tayshawn Prince. Reach the squad. Tayshon Prince. <laughs> Dude,
2: the fans are going to cry for Vince Carter again.
3: Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. You'd be to, I think it'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. You'd be able to hit some threes in crunch time. Which they need. Yeah, they need three-point shooting. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You just said crunch time? Yeah. So you're having VC on the floor V-C in crunch time? V-C for crunch time threes, baby this is not 2000 <laughs> <laughs> I need a 3 VC you're in I need you to redeem yourself oh my goodness Damn. Paul Pierce moment would that,
2: but would that I was man you literally just told us what I was going to say I was going to say would it be something if we got a Paul Pierce moment
3: out of VC <laughs> <laughs> yeah would I was be. literally to say that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it would be a perfect Paul Pierce moment for him Get some redemption come on man you, you don't want to tell me you don't want to see that happen
2: no, of course I do. I mean, any Raptors fan who doesn't have a soft spot for Vince Carter, look, I'll, I'll put this plain and simple here: they're full of shit. Because you can hate the man for whatever happened, and you know the way he kind of sulked and cried his way to Toronto. But those Rod Babcock years, ah, oh, ah, oh, man, you'd want out too if you are on the team. Nobody wanted to be here. Yeah. It was an absolute tire fire. And I don't think that overshadows everything that Vince Carter's done for not only this team but the city and basketball in Canada as a yeah, whole. Just basketball. I think people yeah, I, I think people are, can never overlook that. And I think V.C. will forever just have a soft spot amongst Raptors fans.
3: Yeah, he does for me, man. Those are done. Yeah, same 2001 Slam Dunk Championship. Oh.
2: Man, the ACC had a different buzz to it. Like it has a buzz now, but at one point you could argue that we had the most exciting like, player the in league. the league. Yeah,
3: that was crazy.
2: Yeah. Like literally fans would go and see not the Raptors, they'd see Vince Carter. Mm. And no matter what people like to say about the NBA, in my opinion, there's a couple teams that you pay and go see, but for the most part, you're paying to go see certain superstars.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, so even I I, even cool. when he was on the road, people would like cheer for him when he was like throwing down crazy like reverse dunks or three sixties and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, it was awesome. Every night you had to watch the highlight reel just to see what VC did. Yeah,
3: it's a shame he's leaving soon, man. All right, well, all these guys are leaving. All these players from the 2000s are going to be gone. He's in that yeah. He's in that generation that's about to leave. Him, Chris Bosh. Yeah. Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce, Tim Duncan.
2: Well, Paul Pierce actually announced that you know he's going to be retiring after this season. So, yeah, that kind of that kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you ready to move on? <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching Paul Pierce when I was a kid when he played at Kansas, and I was like, "Hey, this Yo, guy's they awesome." They used to hate him in Boston,
3: like they used to despise him, like the the way he played. Like people thought he was. Um, it was really selfish. really selfish. You know that happens with any type of score. I'm starting to realize, like if they don't, if it's a good or great player that never wins a championship, they're like, yo, that dude is selfish.
2: Yep, that happens all the time. You see it all the time. Even
3: happened to Michael Jordan once, before he won his six championships. Like this guy's so selfish, he never passes the ball.
2: Well, that's because he had such a hard time trying to figure out a way to beat the Pistons and the Celtics, and then, you
3: know, the team got better and everything changed from there. Yeah, same thing for Paul Pierce, man. That turnaround from, like, I think they lost 15 games that one season, and then they're like, yo, we got Ray Allen, and then, yo, we got KG. It and then everybody loves Paul Pierce all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> everybody loves Paul Pierce all of a sudden. <laughs> was, yo, man, the history books aren't going to tell you that. You got to turn into, into the the uh podcast or stuff like that. That was Yeah, no, they're not going to tell you that. Yeah, they're just going to be like, Paul Pierce... Great, great, uh, great scorer. One of the best Celtics ever. we I mean, probably isn't even one of the best Celtics ever. But still,
2: there's a lot of good Celtics. There's so many there. good. Like Celtics when you go through the list, holy crow.
3: But yeah, gonna but, like, yeah, Paul Pierce. They loved him and like, mm, they low key hated him for the yeah. first like eight years. Yeah, it was like not until 2008 when he was winning championships with the team. That's like pretty much the only time that they loved him. And after that, of course. Yep.
2: One of his running mates is actually Kevin Garnett in Boston. There, where they won the title, obviously. Um, he retired, mm-hmm. you know the big ticket, arguably, arguably the greatest defensive player of all time in NBA history. I've seen that thrown around recently.
3: Um, man, thoughts on KG's career and him retiring? Uh, he was my second favorite basketball player when I was a kid. Number one was Allen Iverson, and then <laughs> seriously, <laughs> the number one was Allen Iverson, right? And then uh, KG was right after, and they're even, you know. Kind of different, really, different personalities. KG is just like, I don't know what it was about him. It's like his the baldness with like the the forked goatee, the the fact that he was like always hyperactive. I don't know what it was. I honestly don't know. <laughs> always what it was. hyperactive. I just don't know what it was, but I loved him and he was one of my favorite players. And then his like his mid range shooting was pretty cool to me when I was a kid. Again, I was a kid, right when I was watching him. So I was in like, yo, this guy's post ups are amazing, and his. His uh, control in the pain is amazing. And I was just like, yo, this guy's this guy's uh, goatee is awesome.
2: I was kind of the same way. I mean, I was young too, watching him play. And uh, for me, it was just, man, just the nickname, the big ticket, watching him come out of high school, um, the way he would literally just shoot that jump shot. Him and Tim Duncan, their jump shots were mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. I, I could watch him shoot all day. And then I remember going to watch him live at the ACC when I was a kid and just, just double doubles every single night I just I know I'm kind of clumping him and um, Tim Duncan here together but they kind of were in my opinion I mean watching both these guys come up roughly around the same time and Tim Duncan's obviously had a lot more success in terms of titles and you know what the Spurs have done but KG was just remarkable to watch with not much around him I mean Wally Zerbiak was brought in there and a couple other guys, Sam Cassell and whatnot, to, <laughs> yeah. to help him get over the top. The it never pre- happened. It's in for yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah, like, it was just, it was misfit toys always playing around this amazing player, and it never worked.
3: Man, this, you brought up Tim Duncan, and they, you know they wore the same number, but, like, they're the complete opposite personalities. Yep. It's, just, like, absolute opposite. Even their careers were, like, absolute opposites, you know. Kevin Garnett. I would probably... Keep, Peak Garnett was probably better than peak Tim Duncan, but Garnet. Oh, that's interesting. But like, man, peak Tim Duncan was beast. But peak. Be- okay, you well, maybe we'll have like a uh, discussion about this. You know, <laughs> off off the air when we were like able to yeah, yeah. look at the statistics and stuff like that. But like, yeah, we're splitting hairs. Though. Yeah, but Kevin Garnett like at that you know absolute height of his powers was like basically doing everything on the court at a big man at yeah, p- a big man position, true. right? And uh.
2: On a bad team. I know It was on a (laughs) terrible team. It was
3: an awful team. I mean, Tim Duncan was also doing his stuff. Like, the Spurs weren't good the first couple years. But anyways, you know, they even had, like, opposite career arcs, you know. Tim Duncan won his first championship mad early. And then Kevin Garnett had to just, like, wallow, wallow in Minnesota until he left for Boston. And then they won that championship. And it's, like, I feel like if you just see him like, after the championship, he was, like, crying, you know, and he was, like, shouting, like,
2: anything is possible.
3: I'll never forget that, man. Right? And, you know, Tim Duncan, who's just, like, he wins five championships. I don't even – I can't even quote a word from him from when he won. You see what I'm talking about? Like, they're completely off <laughs> – even their career arc. Yeah.
2: Like T- off. Tim Duncan's always been really quiet, you know. But were just goes about his business. Like, he's just – he's probably the lamest superstar ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be honest here. Like, when you think about it, Tim Duncan is just... He's just Tim Duncan. Yeah. Like, you can't say anything about him. I mean, what's the most trademark thing about him aside from the titles? The fact that he uses the backboard frequently? Yeah. He goes off glass and probably doesn't call it.
3: Yeah, like, that's it. He doesn't that's even it? Have, he doesn't really have, like, a tr- trademark move. He kind of has that, like, weird, like, sideways release. Yeah. When he's, like, yeah. the posts of Fade Away, but it's, like, over his... It's over his right shoulder, and he kind of like yeah. flicks it in. I don't really know how to describe. It. You kind of have to watch it.
2: No, I, I know what you're saying. And then, meanwhile, you got KG, who is like brash in your face, borderline DMX on the court, the way he talks so much shit.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, just, which like, is awesome. Mag talk was just like uh, unconceivable oh, amounts. Of Gary stuff. Payton, <laughs> like
2: <laughs> yeah, the f bomb counter would just be off the charts with him too. On the floor is awesome. <laughs> like
3: I've, I, I just love his intensity. There's even a hilarious video with like language I can't replicate on this podcast of him like you know and the timberwolves this is last season where he was somebody took a jump shot and he's like he can't shoot he can't shoot and then the person missed he's like hell no and there's some, <laughs> <laughs> there some other words that i can't, I can't oh use. man i can already picture <laughs> but yeah yeah i loved it man i loved them
2: hey for what it's worth i still got that kg jersey timberwolves all black in my closet.
3: Probably don't fit no more, but it's still there. Those ones are sick.
2: Yeah, I love those ones. Another player, former Raptor, who, you know, he hasn't retired, but he might be forced to retire is Chris Bosh. Obviously the blood clots and his health is not very good. Not an optimal level where he can play at least. Um, is this the end?
3: I, If it's not, it should be because I don't want to see a, a player die on the court. Yeah, And, like, that's, a, like, a real possibility with him. Like, it's, you know, for every player, obviously, there's a chance. But, like, the chance for him is, like, exacerbated by this uh, the blood loss or the blood clots in his body. So I just don't want to see it happen, man. And so it's happened, not it has happened, but not in the NBA. And Eric Spolster was actually on the, the staff of the team where it happened to a player. I can't remember the player's name right now.
2: Oh, I didn't know that.
3: And he was on the staff of a of a team where, like, a player had actually died on the court. So I can't imagine, the like, the heat, and especially Eric Spolstra, I don't think they want that to happen. In, in you know, I I think they just want to see him alive, <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah, instead of course. Of, instead
3: of dead, I you know, you'd prefer to see somebody alive than dead, so.
2: Like, I think, his, obviously, this goes without saying, his health is his number one priority. Um, luckily for him, I mean, he's won an NBA title. Yes. Yeah, he He's two? got a big contract. Two of them. Yeah, like he's he's kind of checked off a lot of career milestone goals in the NBA that some guys never check off. So I'm not saying that's more incentive for him to retire because, look, once you're a professional athlete, you don't ever want to leave that. That's true. I mean, you've you got to be crazy to want to retire. Like you're, Most of the time you're forced to retire because you can't do it no more. But for Chris Bosh to have to retire because of health reasons at the age he is, you got to feel for the guy.
3: Yeah, the player's name was Hank Gathers, by the way. Um, yeah, you know, everybody says, like, you just said, like, that you don't want to retire until you have to, like, this is one of the moments where you kind of have to, you know, just so, <laughs> just so your body doesn't break down on the court, you know, I don't know, I feel, I feel bad, I feel bad, but I also feel kind of, kind of happy for him, because he definitely has, like, a Hall of Fame career lined up, you know, if he does retire right now, and he doesn't really yeah. have any, he doesn't really have many boxes he needs to check off anymore, you know, he's kind of done everything so far. I don't think he doesn't he never had an MVP, but that's other than that, he's pretty much done everything else. So,
2: so considering how many records, you know, he's he's got he's up there with the rappers in the record books. Um I know Vince Carter is obviously somebody when he's done playing, they'll likely hang some sort of rafter up there for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll retire the number 15, but there'll be something up there for VC.
3: Chris Carter re- I think treatment. they would re- retire number 15. I'd be all for that. Yeah, me too. I think most fans would be for that, so why not? You know.
2: Okay, so what do you do with Chris Bosh? Anything at all, or are you just kind of...
3: I don't know. See, like, for Vince Carter, he had, like, this, you know, this resonance, not with just the NBA, but Canada basketball. Like, it literally everybody, even in the Olympics when he d- jumped over a dude and dunked on him, that was crazy. Yeah, it was insane. Right? So he has, like, this, you know, uh, this gravitas of pretty much everybody. But Chris Bosh, you know... He's a great a great player for the Raptors. He was kind of hauling the carcass of, like, the Jamario Moons and TJ Fords.
2: Jamario Moon. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, go on. You just hit a spot there.
3: <laughs> so he was kind of hauling the carcass of a Raptors team with them on the squad, but he wasn't, like, earth-shattering. Like, he, for example, like, Kevin Garnett is probably going to get retired, like his number retired by the Timberwolves you look at all the things that Kevin Garnett did for the Timberwolves you know Chris Bosch did a lot of great things for the Raptors but it wasn't on the same level
2: yeah I can't argue against that I mean he played seven seasons here average what nine boards a game uh, 20 points one block that's pretty damn good yeah. I don't know if that's hang your number up in the banners or up in the rafters, good but I think it's something that's debatable yeah you can make a case like you get the very least make a case for him he was an all-star in one, two, three, four, five seasons for the Raptors. Five out of seven years, an all-star too. I mean,
3: yeah, he was a good player. He was a very good. Player.
2: Yeah, like he was just—he was kind of what we should have had with Marcus Aldridge. Yeah, uh, didn't mean didn't mean to go there. But...
3: <laughs> right in
2: the field bad. Yeah, I was <laughs> just saying, man, we should have had Aldridge and Bosch. I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna dwell on this, but Bosch's career trajectory is kind of like that.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh, uh, I just open an old
3: But yeah, I think he's going to retire. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to say goodbye. Love you, Chris Bosch. <laughs> it's it's Yo, been I, rough I, I, when you think about all the guys retiring, it, man. Oh, man. The, the retirement class is going to be insane if I was yeah, Paul Pierce I'd be like nah man I'm gonna peace out this season cause I'm wanting <laughs> yeah I got one more <laughs> Paul Pierce should've just like been like nah man I'm about to retire right now so he could just hop into that great uh, retirement class
2: that's literally a who's who of like man
3: of 2000s basketball yeah.
2: yeah but I must I gotta mention this before we go because I know I said VCs left
3: mm-hmm.
2: there's also one guy left still playing Dirk. Dirk Disco Dirk <laughs> He's still going strong out there
3: He's still like He's still playing pretty well Which is amazing At his age Yeah
2: man The German Bomber's still out there The Mavericks still believe They could build a franchise around which him Which is <laughs> Wow
3: That's crazy within itself He's 38 years old You know
2: Yeah <sighs> No
3: <laughs> When does he retire? What? Two more years? I guess I'm, Maybe We'll see how We'll see how Harrison Barnes is this year If Harrison Barnes isn't very good I'm pretty sure he's.
2: Oh he's out I think Yeah, I think he'll retire
3: but if Harrison Barnes is pretty good, then he'll stick around for probably another year. But, yeah, he's almost out, too. 38, nearly 40, man. People are playing until they're pretty old nowadays. Is Andre Miller still around? Do we have an Andre Miller sighting? <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot name a team that he's on. <laughs> I honestly cannot.
2: Um, All right, we're going to stick with Dirk for now as our last uh, 2000s guy. Cause, man, if Andre Miller's the last man standing...
3: Elton Brand is still around. <laughs>
2: oh yeah, yeah, Elton Brand's there too. I forgot. Okay,
3: so yeah, there's still some people.
2: There's some. There's some. That'll actually be sad when the last 2000s player retires, because mm-hmm. what an era that was.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a it was an all right era. I think that was like one of the worst. Like objectively speaking, it's probably like one of the worst eras of basketball, though. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> no, no doubt, no doubt.
2: But I think from an NBA standpoint of the league taking steps forward and not just marketing the league, but these superstars in a way that we've never seen before, mm-hmm. without saying he's the best one for that. Yeah,
3: Vince Carter, baby.
2: Yeah, it transcended the what, what you see now with the way players are marketed and the money they're pulling in. That started in that era yeah. with those guys.
3: Yeah, that's when like, so. Vince Carter blew up, Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant,
2: Iverson, Kobe, Shaq, Shaq. dude, even Chris Webber to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Like These guys were something else. And hey, by the way, Tim Duncan, any shoe deals ever? Nope. Nope.
3: <laughs> Tim Duncan just being Tim Duncan oh man he's like probably one of the most celebrated he's weirdly one of the most celebrated players in the league and he's just like the most low key player in the league
2: because I think people feel like they could beat Tim Duncan like they could relate with him where it's just like you know he's just an everyday guy yeah, this is a dude. just happens to win a lot of titles and nail a lot of mid-range jump shots <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh man goodbye to 2000s
2: basketball and on that note I think we'll say goodbye to this podcast as well like to thank everybody for listening. As always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can also leave us a review on iTunes at Tip of the Tower. Just feel free to leave your comments there. Um, we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Chris O'Cranitz. If you want to follow Damar, you can follow Damar at Damar J. Grant. And if you want to reach out to the show, you can reach out to us on Twitter and Facebook, also at Tip of the Tower. That's a lot about Tip of the Tower, but that, that's where you can find us, guys. Um, We'll see you next week. Enjoy the Raptors' training camp. We'll be back to talk then. Take care, later, Dave.